Above the valley, uh, specifically Meridian, Idaho, uh, the place that God has called us to, the place that he is going to use to do great and mighty things. I mean, this place is absolutely amazing, but more amazing than that is the vision that he has called us to. Rock Harbor Church is going to be a safe place for believers uh, to come, uh, to get to know God better, but it is also a place that we can reach those who don't know Him. It's a safe place for people to come and, and search and find out about God. The vision that He's given us, the people that He's drawn together to do His great work is amazing. We are not going to be ashamed of the gospel. We are going to represent him and and do it as best as we possibly can. We want to see God do awesome things. I'm so excited about what is ahead. I have no idea. It has been a unique and crazy and ridiculous journey thus far, and it ain't going to stop. It's going to get more crazy, more ridiculous, and it's going to be God-sized. I cannot wait to see what he's going to do. Today is January 25th, 2012. I have no idea what's ahead in the next month, in the next year, but I know it's going to be all about him and all about his gospel. Seven years, 2,555 days, 61,320 hours ago, Rock Harbor Church gathered for our very first church service. We stepped out in faith, believing the calling that God had placed on our hearts. God has not stopped moving since. We've been arm-in-arm serving our community together, sharing tears of heartache and tears of joy together, sharing laughter and celebrating life change together. Kids camps, student camps, adult community groups, baptisms, restored marriages, local community outreach, even global missions, whatever it is, you name it, together. That is what we celebrate today. Seven years of hard work, seven years of dedication, seven years of dependence, seven years of believing in the call that God has for us, seven years of loving and leading, seven years of knowing that God's not done yet, seven years of together. God is at work in this valley, and he has bigger plans than we could ever imagine. We're just getting started. God is not done. We are not done. We're looking ahead to what's next. Let's do this, Rock Harbor together. Hi, my name is Billy. Hi, I'm Alyssa. And we're the Prindles. We met through some friends. Um, we actually eventually just got together through um, Facebook. Media. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if there was ever a real reason why church wasn't a part of our lives. It was just, um, as we got together, it was just never something that was important to us. We were, you know, we were busy. We, we, we were busy just like everybody else. You know, Sundays were a day to relax, watch sports. We did talk about it, though. When we first had kids, it was, you know, do we take our kids to church? Do we expose them to that? Um, you know, what, what is, what's the right thing to do in that situation? And it never ended up happening until last year. Fall of 2017, um, I had a pretty rough anxiety attack. It just hit me and I broke down and it, it was one of the first times that I ever felt like in my life like I just didn't have control. So it was one of those things that uh, that hit us pretty hard, kind of unexpectedly. And, and I would say it was, you know, it was rough on us. It, it was rough because she was always the type that uh, I was her rock. And, and it was it was tough on us because all of a sudden it was almost like roles reversed. It was more, you know, she was... I was the, the constant. He was the wavy one, up, down, up, down, up, down. And I was the one who had to 
you know, solidify myself in order to keep everything functioning the way that it was supposed to function and be, you know, a solid for him, even though I personally was never the solid in our relationship up until I, I had to face it and had to be that person. I, I don't know. It was it was really unexplained. And like I... The stress of work and life, yeah. everything just kind of boiled over. Like he, you know, he can handle a lot, but that was just kind of his breaking point. I didn't know what was missing, you know, at the time. And I think that's what was even harder about my anxiety attack because you, you kind of don't know what the answer is. Cause I felt like I always had the answers through like my personal strength, but. What we were trying, what we were doing, what we were experiencing, like there was just definitely a void yeah. that, you know, our cup wasn't full, no matter how much we tried to pour into it, no matter, you know, what avenues we took, we were in a rough, patch like super rough I never thought that you know after being married for what five years that we would be in the position to where we just didn't know if it was gonna work out for us or if this is what we really wanted because we both were just fighting battles and we were fighting them on our own we were fighting them against each other instead of with each other I feel like growing up like you were always you know trained as a male to to be that alpha male to be that strong male at all given times and i felt like i was failing you know i i felt like i you know was soft i thought i was you know feeling that um i just really genuinely feel like i was letting uh you know my wife down and um and like i say we we just needed something more I was at work and uh, a lady came through the door, um, started helping her out and uh, we just got on the conversation of like, what are you out doing, you know, what do you got going on today and um, she told me she was actually getting ready to, to go to church and so the conversation just genuinely came up and asked her where she went, she said Rock Harbor and so I said, oh man, like, you know, I, I've heard about Rock Harbor, we have some friends that go to Rock Harbor and then um, all of a sudden through the door came, uh, came the pastor and we, she was just like, hey, come here, come here, come here. I, yeah, I want to introduce you to, uh, to Billy. And so um, he got a chance to, you know, invite us to Rock Harbor. I, I actually drilled him with a bunch of questions because I'm like, okay, I, I got You asked him what you should wear. Yeah, I'm like, what should I wear? What should, like, I, like, tell me exactly what's going to happen. Sweaty palms, nervous Billy. Yeah, yeah. So, so he gave me the whole breakdown of like, okay, like, they're going to do four songs. And then, they're, and then we're gonna do a service and I'm gonna talk. And then afterwards, um, the kids get a chance to go through and, uh, and hunt for some eggs. So I was like, okay, well, I think I can do that. And so uh, as soon as I went on break, I called Alyssa and just said, hey, like, I got a chance to meet the pastor and uh, we got to- He invited us to church yeah. and we were going. I said, yes. <laughs> yeah. I remember getting in the shower that morning and I'm like, like man, I am so nervous to go to church. I, I thought the place was gonna burn down when and I walked I, through. I felt guilty going because I didn't, I was going to support him at that time. Like I wasn't fully on board with, you know, I'd been in church, I'd known, you know, I knew how it went, but I was going to support him. It was something he wanted to do. He committed us to it, so there I was. But I just remember, you know, the, the service last year, um, uh, but I remember we got a piece of rope and um, it was talking about just all the knots, but it was just one of those things that like, as we were singing, I'm like, man, like, 
I think they picked the song because it's hit directly home to me and you know and I just said man there were so many times that uh, it really just you know struck me and then Keith's message was about anxiety and the like you said the rope unraveling and these knots that we get stuck on and we literally both were sitting there like man this service is meant for us like we are supposed to be here he's talking straight to us yeah. and it literally felt like that I've always felt like we were good people, whether it was before yep. before church, whether it was something, you know, after church. But, you know, I just, I feel like we, instead of fighting against our marriage, you know, we fight for our marriage. Okay. And we know that that's something that's, uh, you know, that's important to us. And There was a day when I just let go of everything and just gave it to the Lord and said, like, I can't do this on my own. And, you know, I'm, I'm willing to walk the walk of life, whatever you so choose that to be, but as long as I, you know, I have your guidance and know that this is the journey that I'm supposed to be on, like I'm willing to go through it the way, the way that you want me to. And I remember it's November 18th, you know, of 2018, that uh, that I surrendered my life to Jesus, and I just I felt like it was the right time. We actually weren't even in the same service together. I don't know. I no, think I, I served I, that morning, yeah, I and then serving, I went yeah. to church by myself. But. Yeah, but it was just something that, like, man, I was so excited to tell you about. I was excited to tell Keith and you know Scott about. But uh, yeah, it was um, a day I'll never forget. This last year has been a, definitely a growing experience, and the things that we want and um, are searching for, and you know, our goals to achieve are just so much different now than they were. And you know, our, we want our kids to to be raised in a house that, you know, provides a solid foundation for them. And I don't know, everything's different. We just, we want more. We want to be closer to Jesus. We want to live for Jesus. We want to serve Jesus in the way that, you know, he put us on this earth to serve him for. Wow. Well, that's incredible. And that is uh, extremely personal to me, and that's one of many, many stories that we've seen. God, lives changed, uh, goals completely um, shifted, um, and to know that even if you get married in a Lakers jersey, God can still work in your life. <laughs> Kobe Bryant, throwback to the eight. I mean, wow, that's, woo, God is good, you know? Um, and just, you know, knowing Billy and Alyssa and seeing their, their family goals, seeing them come in and serve and just be active, involved. It's not just about church attendance. It's about who we're becoming in Christ. And that's what family goals are really about. It's not where we've been, but it's rather where we are headed and where we're headed in our life and what's a priority and what's in, important for us. And, and one thing I just love about this uh, stage design, it kind of reminds me of my heritage, you know, so I kind of grew up on a farm, but we've got like houses and like fences and then a horse trough, you know, so it's like family farm, you know, like if we had like a little pony and like a little, little sheep over here, be, it's perfect, a milk, a milk cow, a cat, we don't need no cats, nobody, that would ruin everything, so, um, but it's exciting to know like, hey, we're all, whether we're part of a dysfunctional family, we're part of some type of family, we have some aspirations and some goals, and our, our theme for this year is deeply rooted, and so we, we talk about what does it mean to be deeply rooted, and how can we be founded in Christ, and, and through the Family Goal series, we're actually talking about what a God-centered focus looks like, and what a God-centered focus could be, and that's what today's about. So when you came in today, you were given a program. Um, there's, there's notes in there if you'd like to take, take them. There's also an app that goes, the Rock Harbor app. If you haven't downloaded it, I encourage you to do so. It's only nine ninety nine. 
um, per month. Um, no, it's, it's free, uh, but there's lots of resource on there, and specifically, there's a family tab, and, and we're, we're going to highlight that during this series because for Anchor, Slingshot, our kids, there's some things to go along, and they share the teachings of what they're, what they're going through, so we are just part of your children's lives, and so we get the chance to, to minister in that way, um, but you as parents are the primary leaders in their in their life but specifically with deeply rooted um, it means to love let love be genuine to abhor what's evil and to hold fast to what is good and that really what comes down that's what a family goal should be that we would love one another genuinely regardless of if it's been challenging or not uh, we'd abhor what's evil our passage today will talk exactly about that and then to hold fast to what's good to make sure we have this god-centered um, focus and and I don't know if you have family goals or maybe you're thinking, hey, by the time the kids this or that, or I'd like to go visit my dad by this time. I'd like to go visit my my mom. We'd like to do this. I'd like to spend this time with siblings, or or maybe have friends that are more like family. Have these goals that you'd like to accomplish, maybe like this summer, or you're thinking in the next however many years, or you think, oh, we have plenty of time, or you're looking back and going, I want to take my grandkids. And we think a lot of experiences, and the reality is the goal shouldn't be to take our children or have family experiences, but rather see our family experience God. You could write that down if you'd like, okay? It's not about going on experiences, but rather experiencing God. And we're going to be in Second Chronicles 34. Um, it's in the first part of your Bible. If you have your phones or whatever, you can turn there. I'll get there in just a second. But there's a, a young man we're going to be talking about today, and he didn't come from the most godly or even moral heritage. In fact, he had a grandfather that was a murderer. A grandfather was a king, and he treated people in a horrible fashion. There was a sinful nation. There was lots of stuff that was going on. In fact, um, this grandfather was ultimately, um, he had this uh, way of worshiping the, the God of fire, and they would take and do child sacrifices, which is completely reviling. I mean, we think about that, and we're like, that is a vile behavior. What is that all about? And they would take children, literally put them down a slide into a pit of fire. And you think that's worship? And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly how far this false worship of idols and false gods had got. And then this young man had a dad who his dad was only a king for two years because his own officers killed him. And they actually had prostitution going on in the temples. And instead of worshiping the one true God, they were worshiping this God of sex, and they were finding themselves in all this stuff. And, and I can only imagine what was being said about this young boy. Like, he's going to be just like his dad. I mean, look at his grandfather. He's from a difficult home, a sinful nation, all this horrible... Like, he could, this kid could have said, I'm a victim. I'm a victim, and I can enjoy this opportunity to be king and use it for myself. But get this, he was crowned king at the age of eight. And at a young age, he began to know and follow God. I mean, his dad only served for two years. So when he's six, his dad takes the throne. Now he's eight, and now he's on the throne as an eight-year-old. We'll pick up in verse 1 of Chronicles, Second Chronicles 34. Josiah was eight when he began to reign, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And he walked in the ways of David, his father. And he did not turn aside to the right or to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet a boy, he began to seek the God of David, his father. You know, a family goal and a goal that Josiah had was to do right regardless. 
That could be a goal, to do right regardless. It's also defined as this word integrity, but to do right regardless. No matter what the consequences are, I'm going to choose to follow God. I'm going to choose to follow God's word. I'm going to choose to do what maybe other people aren't doing. As an eight-year-old, he's saying, the king's before me. I got to look back quite a ways to find someone who followed God, and he found that in David. See, you can't choose your family, but you can choose who you follow. You can't choose your family, but you can choose who you follow. See, his family was not just sinful, they were sin-filled. Okay, they weren't just like, we've all sinned. They were sin-filled. The actions, this like horrible behavior, the murder that went on, the deception that went on. But he's saying, hey... I'm going to choose to follow David, and I want to figure out and find out who David's God was. And he looked generation upon generation back, and he found this. See, we can choose who we follow. I think about Rock Harbor Church and what it means to me, and I think of seven years ago to celebrate our seventh anniversary. I'm like literally still wet from baptisms, you know, to have seven people baptized in this service and 14 today and 1,000 over seven years. It's just unbelievable what God has done. But you know, on top of like just being a pastor and getting to be part of this and being a church planter and getting to be part of planting other churches, I'm a dad. I'm a husband. And I have to make a decision to do right regardless And there's a group of people around me and my family, many of you in this room that you've poured into my kids. I still remember some of the people that in our our kids' environment, I'm thinking when my kids were eight years old. My twins were eight years old when this church started. My daughter was nine. We hadn't even adopted Yemi, Natty, Maj, Zeke. We've... Yemi was here, but she was little and annoying. Um, I remember these children's environments that there were people just pouring into their lives. Blake and Scott, a guy named Jeff. My kids would just look forward to seeing them each and every week. Now they're in other environments with Chris and Jason and Josh. And then there's, my daughters have group leaders too. I just mentioned the guys, but I have so many kids. We could be here all day, literally. And I got like eight minutes. So, um, but getting to be a dad and getting to partner with other people that are going to pour into your kids, there's nothing like it. Because Josiah needed it. He needed direction because he wasn't getting that. And a message you hear in an adult environment, a kid environment, and teenage environment is you're going to hear that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. That's based out of Deuteronomy 6. It's part of this law that was given. And so Josiah is seeking out that teaching. And actually, Jesus says it later. And he says, there's a commandment that you'd worship the Lord God first. And then you would love your neighbor as yourself. We'll talk more about that law and kind of that principle next week. It goes on in verse number 3. This is at the age of 20. Josiah is now living in this way. It says in the 12th year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of high places. This is, this is false idol worship. And so there was this worship of all of these other gods and there was different, you know, pillars and altars and places of worship all around this nation. But he said, you know, there was a time that all these idols were 
all this worship had stopped, but the idols were still there. I mean, there's like a pole that they would worship, this ashram. It says that he went in and he began to purge. You got to listen to these like purge and cut down and these strong words that are here. He began to purge the high places, the ashram and the carved in metal images. And they chopped down the altars of Baal in his presence. And he cut down the incense altars that stood above him. And he broke into pieces the ashram and the carved in metal images. And he made dust of them, scattered them over the graves of those who sacrificed them and also burned the bones of the priests of their altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem and in the cities of Manasseh and Ephraim and Simeon as far as Naphtali and in the ruins all around he broke down the altars and he beat the ashram and the images into powder and he cut down all the incense altars throughout the land of Israel and he returned to Jerusalem I hear this I'm like those are strong words I'm pretty sure most people are, you know what? I want to get that verse tattooed on my shoulder. I'm thinking like, yeah, right there, you know. I am really confident that Hobby Lobby is not putting this on one of those little frames that they do. Like, yes, he made dust of them and he scattered it over their graves and burnt their bones of the priests. Welcome home. Gather. Home is where the heart is. Let's pray. You know, it's, that's not, like, no one's doing that. But I do want you to know that these are very strong. It's for me and my house, we serve the Lord, you know? It's like, these are very strong words, and these are strong actions because he's done. You know what he's choosing to do? I'm going to eliminate all distractions. That's what Josiah is doing. He's saying, there's been all this stuff around. We need a narrow focus. What is our goal as a nation? Who are we going to follow? What is your goal as a family? Who are you going to follow? And there are some things in your life, and I'm sorry, I only have a few minutes, so it's going to get loud really quick. There are some few things in your life that you and I need to purge. We need to purge. We need to cut down. We need to scatter. We need to make into dust. We don't have to talk about like bones and death and like that kind of thing, okay? But there's some things that we need to break down. We need to eliminate some distractions in our life. This is a young man that's making this decision. He's saying, I need a narrow focus. You know that every opportunity that comes your way is not necessarily a God opportunity. Every good opportunity isn't necessarily a God opportunity. You go, okay, more money. I have this opportunity. We could make more money. It doesn't mean, it might be a good opportunity. It doesn't mean it's a God opportunity. It's something that needs to be prayed about, thought about. God, is this a distraction? But I could honor God if I had more money. No, no, no. You need to stop and you need to say, okay, God, is this really something that you want me to do. I want to be God focused here. Oh, my kids getting invited to be part of this elite team. A good opportunity is not always a God opportunity. And I'm not dogging the elite team thing. I'm just saying everything needs to be prayed about. Everything needs to be okay, God, you are our focus. We want to be centered on you. You are our purpose. You are you're the plan, God. It's not, here's my plan, I'm going to sprinkle some Jesus dust on my plan. No, God, you are the plan. What do you want me to do? But God, it's on sale. And I think you gave me this sale so that I would buy it. This is from the Lord. God, you are so good. 30% off if I put it on a card. God, you're good. No, not every good opportunity isn't a God opportunity. That got weird. Um, We'll keep on. But here's the reality. 
We want to provide our kids with lots of stuff and things and experiences. Your kids don't need you to buy them more stuff. They actually just need you. It's not getting them more things or getting them more experiences. And I'm all for family time and having great opportunities together. But we need to actually give them God. Give them time with the God of David. How does it look like for them to know the God that you worship? It's good for a child to hear no. It's good for a child to hear not now. It's good for a child to hear wait. These are good things. This is not cruel and unusual punishment. These are okay things. And guess what? Some of the best interruptions I've ever had in my life, God stopped me and interrupted me. You know, parenting is just one big interruption. That's all you do is just interrupt the nature of your children. It's a parent's job to interrupt the nature of a child, not just nurture it. We have to interrupt the nature of our children because they would desire to eat whatever they want whenever they want to eat. Those 15-year-olds yesterday, I said, it's lunchtime, what are you eating? And I, I said, it's a meal, like with protein. You're eating something with protein. My wife's in Ethiopia, it was 2.30. We're finally getting around to lunch, okay? Back up off me, okay? But I'm like, we're eating something. And they're like, Lucky Charms? I'm like, Grandma's in town. Dang it, she bought Lucky Charms. No, that's not a meal. Sometimes it's a meal, but not at this point, okay? I was interrupting their behavior. I was interrupting their nature. And I'm like, tell me something you're going to eat. Ramen? Ramen is not a meal. Ramen is not a meal. I want to know exactly what you're eating. I'm interrupting their nature, as silly as that sounds, rather than just like nurturing it. Hey, eat what you want, do what you want, hang out with who you want, like... Get what you want, I'll help you get it because it makes me feel really good when I get you things. And we end up purchasing and providing distractions for our children. And some of you are like, oh yeah, amen. Are you listening? That's why I didn't buy you that. (laughs) But we end up, and it doesn't mean we can't have devices and we can't have stuff, but we need to be really, really careful that we don't find ourselves providing distractions, providing something that's going to take our children and ourselves down a road when in reality we need them to experience God. I know for me one of the huge distractions, I think about this guy going through and he's ripping down stuff and he's tearing down stuff. uh, There's an idol in our home. It's called social media and our phones. Like it is an idol. We find ourselves addicted to it. So some of you have been going, man, I can't wait until Keith or church will give us a challenge to fast from social media for 21 days during family goals. Well, congratulations. You asked for it. What if you fasted for 21 days from it? Or what if you for 21 days, you only spent 21 minutes a day? That would be actually, I think you'd be surprised how fast you can go through 21 minutes. And some of you dudes know what I'm talking about because your legs go numb while you're spending your 21 minutes and it's over like that. And you're like, it's 7.15. Are you kidding me? I'm done for the day. Okay. Anyways, that was wrong and disgusting. Welcome to the family. We're real stinking people. But if you made a habit to say, hey, I'm going to limit myself. I don't want this to become a distraction. It got quiet. Some people are nervously lacking. You're like, my business relies on it. Okay, God bless you. Um, but it says that Josiah didn't turn to the left or the right. Think of it like this. He was headed on a path and he's going, I'm going to chase after the God of David. I'm not going around this hill. So when I go through the valleys, I go through the ups and the downs, I'm staying straight. 
I'm not trying to get out of the challenge and find myself where other kings found themselves worshiping false idols and doing completely vile acts. I'm going to trudge through. I'm going to go up. I'm going to go down. There's going to be good times. There's going to be hard times, but I will make straight the way of the Lord. Jesus actually says it this way, enter by a narrow gate for the gate is wide and it's easy and it leads that leads to destruction. And those who enter in it are many for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Are you one of the few? Are you one of the few? Not that you found your way to Jesus, but you surrendered your heart to him. For wide is the road to destruction. We saw multiple children today taking this step of baptism. Teenagers, in the first service, there was a guy by the name of Kevin. His first week at church was last week, and he's being baptized today. The 815 service, I'm watching a 17-year-old. He's one of the few. 815 on Sunday morning when most of his friends are sleeping. 815 on Sunday morning, he's here. He's saying, I grew up religious, not knowing who God was. And last week I gave my life to him and I'm going to be one of the few. Maybe you're a teenager in here or a youth in here. Are you willing to be one of the few? Are you willing to make decisions that only a few people are making? To honor a parent? To honor a teacher? To choose to not, I know other people share answers and share work, but you're going to choose to be one of the few that does it the right way regardless. Is there a dad in here that's going to say, you know what? While other people, or a husband in here, other people are making these kind of decisions, and 50% of everybody does this, and 50% of everybody does this, and so as long as my good outweighs my bad, and as long, it'll all just kind of work out. I'm going to tell you, it doesn't all just work out. It does not all work out. I don't say that out of guilt. I say that out of fact. Are you going to choose to be one of the few that honors your marriage? Are you going to choose to be one of the few that honors your family? Are you going to choose to be one of the few that says, hey, I'm going to lead you in a relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't have it all figured out, but when I'm wrong, I'm going to apologize to you. And I'm going to set a course for our family in a direction that I'm going to trust God. Are you willing to be one of the few? Because not many people are. In fact, there's a portion of next week's message that's going to come back to this. But but, um, Josiah specifically, specifically, found this law. He found the word of the Lord and he found what we now know is like Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy. He found some of that law and he starts to read it and it changes his heart and he goes and says, what do I do with this? And words are given to him that say, because you were teachable, because you were humble, because your heart was tender, I will keep you from destruction. Is your heart tender? Are you willing? Billy and Alyssa talked about an invitation to attend a church. I'm asking you, are you willing? Is your heart open to receive an invitation to become one of the few? 
Not just a follower of Jesus, but a devoted follower, a committed, willing to do whatever it takes. We got to be humble and we got to be teachable. And here's where we got to rally. Verse number one through 19, it, t- it talks about Josiah keeping this Passover. No one had ever kept it. For 400 years, it had not been observed. And all the inhabitants came together, people from Assyria, people from different places, and they worshiped together. And this Passover where this lamb and this oxen and all of these um, animals, 33,000 were supplied by Josiah and his wealth so that people could remember the one true God. So sin could be paid for because they offered this this blood sacrifice that at some point we celebrated last week that Jesus poured his blood out for us. There was Jesus that was coming. This is prior to Jesus Christ. He worshiped faithfully, this man. He worshiped faithfully. You know, and something changes, I notice when I look at um, some of the words of verse number three and verse number eight in chapter 34. It says, yet while, I think I got it, while he was a boy, he began to seek the God of David, his father. Then what does it say? Now in the 18th year of his reign, when he had cleansed the land and the house to repair the house of the Lord his God. Verse number three, he's 16 years old. Verse number eight, he's 26 years old. In 10 years, he is looking for the God of David. He's looking for the God of David. And you find in 10 years, he says, the house of the Lord, his God. It was no longer... David's God. It was now the Lord, his God. I'm a dad. I'm a pastor. I'm incredibly imperfect and I am real and I am stinking. And I want my children to not look for the God of their dad. But to love the Lord, their God. If I see that happen... You want to talk about a goal? You want to talk about what's it all about? It's about that. So why do we chase other things? For Josiah found it. You know, underdevoted parents don't produce overdevoted children. So we have to look at our walk and we have to look at our life. And there was a young man who chose to be part of the few. And because of one generation, one person's heritage, an entire nation was changed. Only God could do that. When I think of Rock Harbor Church, I don't want to talk about 2012. Oh, 2013, that was awesome. I remember our seventh anniversary when we baptized a thousand people over seven years. Oh my goodness. I can't believe what God did. I don't mind looking back if we're looking forward and saying the greatest days are ahead of us as a church. Greater days. There's more Billies, there's more Alyssas, there's more Kevins, there's more individuals, there's more lives, there's not just few, there's many. Not just a few, there are many people that know and believe. Many people with a changed future. Many people with different goals. Many people not talking about what their heritage is and the victim that they are. No, the resurrected, restored, saved, set apart 
child of God they get to be and that they get to raise and they get to raise and they get to multiply and they get to multiply and they get to multiply. That's discipleship. That's what Christ came for. And Josiah gave us a good example that one person can change many life. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for the work you've done here today. It's not by our own doing. It's only by yours. So as we gather in this room and we gather over at the hub uh, today, we are given this gift of seeing your gospel multiplied in lives. Thank you for your faithfulness. We love you. We want to honor you this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen.